Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Movie. That's right. I'm driving down the road spitting some facts and uh, talking about some movies here. Uh, I've been on this Tubi binge for a while now, just watching whatever I can gather. If you're not a big Tubi watcher, you need to be because there's a lot of great free content on there. Uh, Well, we'll see if this one is or not. I'm talking about the 1993. It's a full moon Christmas, folks. That's all I can gather because for some reason I keep going and clicking on these full moon movies for some reason. I'm not proud of it, but that's what I'm doing. So it's a full moon Christmas and we're going to talk about the 1993 Mandroid. Now, don't you love it when you look at the artwork of the VHS box and on the cover you get a snapshot of something you really want to see in the movie? This movie ain't it. <laughs> uh, when you look at the cover, you got like the dude in the wheelchair and looks like a lightning's coming out of his head and going to this giant robot thinking, okay, so we've got like a... Uh, you know, a disabled person who's got a robot that can go do his will, whatever he wants done, fighting bad guys, seeking revenge. All these things float in your head, right? None of them are true, uh, as much as you want them to be. That that doesn't happen at all in this flick. Uh, what does happen, by the way, this thing's called a sci-fi thriller. I don't know if thriller is the right word. Um... Basically, if you look at the overview of this thing, this probably won't be a long review. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, if you took the storyline of like when Captain America first becomes Captain America, you know, if, when you watch the, the movie and, you know, they've got him in there and they got the serum and all this stuff. This movie feels kind of like that, except we're in, I don't know, Belgium, somewhere in Europe. And where uh, it kind of feels like that and then the robot is very RoboCop-like which could very well be the, the inspiration for this even though he's not a standalone vehicle he has to be controlled by somebody and it's not a dude in a wheelchair just saying uh, we get the wheelchair the last I don't know 10 seconds of the movie well it's a little before the last 10 seconds maybe the last I don't know about a minute before the movie ends, you, you get to see the guy in a wheelchair for the lamest reason. But anyways, I digress. Um, this movie is uh, about a scientist that's created this thing called the Supercon or some crap like that. Some kind of new chemical reaction that he discovered with mushrooms. <laughs> that's right. Mushrooms. We're going all out on this one. And you got this one scientist that's all about taking their work and turning it into helping other people. And then you got the other scientist that's his partner who's all about, no, we need to hold on to this. And it's all about power and military grade and creating the ultimate fighting weapon. So these two guys don't get along. And the, the first scientist has a chance to sell this to the United States. And uh, we've got a guy coming in from the States to, to come and see what this is all about. Because he has created this Supercon thing. 
and which looks like a crystal from the you know fortress of solitude or something and uh that came out of a mushroom that's right and i think it's amazing that he's showcasing making this this chemical reaction crystal but but doesn't really showboat the fact that they've got a robot <laughs> that you can put on this virtual reality outfit and control it actually on a treadmill that's pretty interesting so to make him walk and stuff they get on a treadmill I just wonder how you make him turn. <laughs> they didn't think that part through, I don't guess. Needless to say, and, and this is early on virtual reality stuff, right? This is 93, and looks a lot like what we see now when we talk about the helmets and the face shields and all the stuff. So that's kind of cool, I guess. When this movie kind of starts, you've got the robot driving a car, which is being controlled by the scientist, and he's back home. And this is the first time they're letting this robot do anything like this, especially drive. I just think it's really, really weird that you would, you know, have a person in the car with it. Because you've never done this before. You might want to trust it with nobody first and just make sure it doesn't crash. Well, guess what? It crashes. It has a bug or whatever. It has a little glitch and just crashes into a brick wall. And at first you're thinking, okay, this is some kind of superhero thing because the robot's driving and the doctor's talking through the robot. It's kind of cool. Robot looks pretty decent, uh, in a way. I mean, <laughs> uh, for the time, it actually looks pretty decent. You can tell that's where they spent the money. But there is no doubt, especially after watching Dr. Mordred, that Charles Band was wanting to build, kind of like what Marvel did. He wanted to build a series of dark superhero movies that all intertwine and they can all piggyback off of each other and make series and he just about did it the only problem is the movie sucks <laughs> right but yeah I can easily see Dr. Mordred end up being in a story with the mandroid fighting the bad guy in this movie who is the other scientist who decides to come in late at night and still I don't know whatever it is that makes this chemical reaction happen because he's wanting to sell it individually and make more money for himself and have more power. Dr. Drago, by the way, is his name. Don't know where he got that name from. But uh, he ends up running away, holding this chemical, and the scientist's daughter, who, you know, every one of these movies always have a scientist that has a daughter who's hot, who's going to fall in love with whoever's going to be the good guy at the end, right? That's just how these things roll. Uh, she shoots Dr. Drago, who's holding this chemical. Well, actually, she shoots the chemical container. It blows up in his face, and he mutates, kind of like a dark man kind of thing. Really, he's more like Dr. Doom. There's no doubt in my mind he was wanting this guy to be full moon's Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom Drago even has a metal face plate made. Even though he walks around through most of the movie, his face is mutated. He's kind of got the Joker thing going on, right? The chemicals got on his face. It deformed his face. But he's also a little insane, right? It's very Joker-like, but very Doctor Doom-like. You know, you get all these influences. 
and uh, the story just kind of goes from there, where we're just, you know, the good scientist is fighting the bad scientist, and there's a the young guy from the U.S. who gets entangled, falls in love with the girl, tries to help, and it just gets further and further out of control. The Doctor Doom guy goes and stays in an isolated, empty warehouse with some bum that he finds there, and he gets to go out and do things for him. It's all textbook Marvel DC set up, right? I mean, there's, there is no doubt that's what we're going for here. And this other guy who was there, the, the, the Dr. Drago, hits over the head and knocks him into this container that they keep the Supercon in. Great name, by the way. <laughs> and uh, they pull him out of it later on, and like his face is kind of frozen. Obviously, it's had some kind of, it's made some kind of effect on him. Well, this guy starts disappearing, right? I mean, he's starting to get invisible. So now we got an invisible man, which we'll talk about towards the end of this. But he's out of the picture now, which I think he was the original boyfriend of, of the, the, the scientist's daughter. But when this happened, he's got other things to worry about. And she kind of drifts over to the American dude, you know. And I don't know, you get... You get where the good scientist is running the robot, but then they're out doing something, and then they're using the robot to smash down part of a cave so they can find more mushrooms. It's lame. But uh, at the same time, Dr. Doom, Dr. Drago, whatever, bust into the office or the scientist science lab where the guy is controlling the American guy's controlling the, the robot to do all this stuff. Why? Who cares? Who knows? Doesn't matter. But Drago and this bum break in and set off a gas bomb. And then Drago puts on the helmet to control the robot while wearing a gas mask. <laughs> and uh, I'm telling you, man, this is it's so Marvel, the things that happen in this movie. Uh, but he ends up controlling the robot while the scientist and his daughter and the other dude are all driving down the road in a van with the robot in the back. The robot starts attacking them, making them, makes them crash. So now the doctor, Drago, has control of the robot. And I don't know. Now he's got the robot. And he's still trying to sell it or whatever. Again, it, does, it don't really matter. Uh... Not a lot else really happens except you get to where they're going to do a trade. There's a uh, another guy that's in the story who has a name, but it don't really matter. And he's kind of from Interpol, I think. He's working with the, the guy from the U.S. He's a guy that's kind of like really making the deal here, right? And uh, Drago kidnaps him and holds him and tells the other scientist... We'll make a trade. I want the, the microfilm. What's it of? Who knows? Who cares? But he wants this microfilm that I guess shows how the stuff is made so he can claim that he's the rightful owner. I don't know. Don't matter. It's an evil scientist dude fighting a, fighting a good science dude. That's really the bottom line. So they go to set up to do this trade, and that doesn't work out very well. And then from there on, you got a big shootout between the bad guys and the good guys and the robot running amok that nobody can stop. I love the fact that all these military guys show up, and they're all shooting at the robot. 
And you would figure after about four or five shots, you realize the bullets ain't doing nothing to it. Why do you keep shooting? Why do you keep running out in the open and shooting this thing when you know it doesn't affect it whatsoever? I just, I don't get it. So, I don't know. A bunch of people get killed because they're just stupid. Uh, the main military guy shoots a robot in the eye, which we find out is a weakness earlier on in the film. And lucky shot, I guess. And it makes the robot kind of glitch or whatever, but he's still controlling it. And then our American dude gets in a fight with the robot, and he picks up a piece of metal and shoves this metal rod into the robot's eye socket that's no longer there, causing more damage, makes it shut down. Then Dr. Drago comes out, and they have a little face-off kind of thing, and it's pretty lame. Needless to say, this thing is set up for a sequel. And that sequel is called Invisible, The Chronicles of Benjamin Knight. Yeah. So we get to follow this up with a sequel. Will we watch it? I don't know. I'm going to try to build up the courage to check it out. But uh, something tells me it's not going to be any better than what I just saw. And another thing, too, and I just now thought about this. There is... I guess you could say there's there is a mandroid in Marvel. Might have borrowed this idea to a certain degree, uh, but I think the mandroid is more of an armor suit that a person gets in instead of it being a remote control robot. I don't know. All you Marvel fans can let me know. Uh, just seems like I just now remembered that there was something called that, but it wasn't like really a person. It was more of an outfit. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that sounds right. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, uh, when we talked about uh, the, the other movie, I mean, obviously it was a Doctor Strange kind of thing. He was, uh, Charles Band was making these, uh, these Marvel flicks and just giving him his own little twist, I guess, and making these movies. So, uh, I was not thrilled with this movie. Uh, at the end, like I said, the the the, uh, the American guy gets in the fight with Dr. Drago. Dr. Drago shoots him in the leg. And I'm guessing that's why he's in the wheelchair afterwards. But we get a scene of him riding around in the wheelchair uh, and controlling the robot in the house. And that's just kind of it. So kind of getting this Professor X kind of idea. Who knows? Anyways, that's this movie in a nutshell. I'm really going to give this a 2 out of 5. I found it quite boring. Uh, it was just kind of lackluster. I, th I think the robot looked pretty good. But, yeah. This one's, uh, this one's worth skipping. Now, you may be a fan of this one and that's totally fine. I get it. Especially if you saw it probably when it came out and it just kind of worked for you. But, uh, uh, I'll give it a pass. So there you go. That's my thoughts on this one. If you like it and you've got some encouraging moments that you think really make this thing hold up, share them with me because I'm willing to listen. Folks, that's it for this one. We will check you later on.